Welcome back to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, where we are tackling shame triggers this season. This episode is body image and appearance, and I am talking with body relationship coach, Debbie Seraphim. And I love this conversation because she talks about holding space for multiple truths. And what that means is basically getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Because when we live in this world where there's diet culture and all these other things, there's a lot of conflicting realities. Because as she says, we can't deny reality. And so we dive into, you know, the relationship we have with our body, the society we live in, and more. So join us as we are fleshing out body image and appearance with Debbie Seraphim. I would love for you to introduce yourself and then we can start unpacking all this shame around body image and appearance. Yes. Let's unpack the shame. Let's swim in yes. it. You want me to introduce myself now? Yeah, go okay, ahead. Cool. So, well, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm very good at talking about myself. So there you go. Yes, uh, so I'm Debbie Seraphim. Um, I am about to be 42. I don't know that that's relevant, but um, I feel no shame around it. So I feel like sharing. It. I love it. Um, and I'm a body relationship coach. I help women um, make peace with their body. I, I help teach you how, how to love your body, even when you don't like it. I don't think you have to like it in order to love it. Um, and so I help women make peace with their body. And oftentimes that kind of comes hand in hand with making peace with food and making peace with exercise. I know so many women feel like, well, I just need to exercise more. That's not, that, that might not be the case. Maybe, you know, um, so there's a lot to uh, unpack there. And yeah. uh, so that's what I do. I'm a body relationship coach. I help women make peace with all of that shit. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love how you said you help women love their body, even if they don't like it, because that's something that I've seen where, and, cause I love following different people on social media. And that's something mm -hmm. we've talked about in some conversations where it's like, you know, you can curate more of your feed to include much more diversity and to help. And one of the things I see is like, well, do I, I felt confused. Like, well, do I have to like this? you know, I, I must get to a place where I like it, then I'm going to be happy. So I, I really loved that you said you don't have to like it. To you don't it. have to like it. I think so. It's, I mean, we live in a, here it goes all of a sudden, I just start vomiting out stuff. Um, but we live in a diet culture world. Mm -hmm. And the thing about diet culture is it sends really conflicting messages, right? So diet culture um, tells you that you, you know, that if you're, First of all, diet culture says that healthy is a specific size, which is absolute mm -hmm. bullshit. You can be healthy at very different sizes. Um, but it says, it also says that self-care looks a certain way, mm -hmm. but, um, but then it also says that you shouldn't stress about other things and did, like, and it kind of just keeps piling on these different, um, <laughs> these different requirements that conflict each other. Yeah. And don't really work well together. Um, and then on top of that, it tells you that taking care of your body properly means that you should like what you see. And mm. what if you don't? Um, and I, you know, as, as I've worked with women for a while, I mean, for, for forever now, I, I think not liking what you see in the mirror is not size specific. That's mm -hmm. it's just, it, it, it affects my women who are, you know, under a hundred pounds. And it affects my women that I work with who are like 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. Every woman that I have met 
feels mm-hmm. like something is broken about her body or she needs mm-hmm. to apologize for something or that something could be better. And I think, you know, the work that I do has made me realize, oh, feeling like that isn't a symptom that there's something wrong with your body. Feeling like that is a symptom of the broken culture. So you don't have to like what you see in the mirror. That doesn't have to be anything that's wrong with you. That is the world up around you. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's like a great segue to before you tell us how we can start getting to that, that place. How did I get here? Yeah. How did you get there? Because you have been, I think it's one of those things like you can speak on it and be an expert on it when you've walked it. Yes. Versus just kind of knowing it from reading about it. So I would love to hear more. Yeah, I, I, I lived it. So, um, so my, my story, I will give you the somewhat abridged version, but my story (laughs) is a sad one, but it ends okay. Um, So I was raised by a mom who is 71 and to this day, she still has an active eating disorder. Um, so she raised both my sister and I, um, while having an eating disorder, I was put on my very first diet at the age of six, which kind of blows my mind because my daughter is six and a half and doesn't really know what a diet is. Um, and I don't think I really knew what a diet was at the age of six, but at the age of six, I was told that there were like certain, certain bodies were good and certain bodies were bad. And this is what you should do to have a good body. And if you don't have a good body, you should definitely be taking the steps to have a good body. Um, and so, I was put on a preventative diet so that I would not go through what my mom went through. Um, And so by the time I was in high school, I had a full-fledged eating disorder. Um, And ironically, my mom got me an excellent therapist and an excellent dietitian, which I, I don't. I don't know why the disconnect for herself, but that's okay. Mm. I got in with a really fantastic um, therapist and dietitian. And, um, and so I worked very hard and over years, I overcame those eating disorder behaviors. I, mm-hmm. I was, I started eating when I hadn't been eating and, you know, and all of that stuff, but I didn't start liking my body. And so um, everything was sort of a weighted decision, pun intended, you know, it's like, should I eat this? Is it worth the shame? What if it, what if I don't like, I have to go out tomorrow. I have to wear this tomorrow. Just sort of trying to decide is each bite of food worth it. Um, And I came out here, I came out to Los Angeles uh, to become an actress. So it just sort of puts you more in the world of the, you know, feeling like you are literally being broken down for looks. Um, I, I, uh, I, I was an unsuccessful actress, but I did get a call from my manager one day and she said, are you sitting down? And I think that this is just a really good example of, of, of the unrealistic beauty standards, body standards, all of it. And I said, okay, what's going on? And she said, well, I'm having such a hard time with you because you're pretty, but you're not really pretty enough to be the pretty girl, but like I don't think you want to gain a hundred pounds and be the best friend. And so I think you should get your nose done. And I have two more parts of this fucked up story. Um, The first part is that (laughs) I did, I got my nose done. And the second part is that she was right because I started going on auditions once I got my nose done, Um, Uh which is so fucked up because I really wasn't any different. And the truth is, is that I liked my face before and I liked my face after I continued to hate my body. So I was an unsuccessful actress. Um, and in my twenties, 
I was, a, I was uh, starving, not literally, but wasn't making any money. And, and I was like, yeah. what the hell can I do? Um, and one of my girlfriends said to me, she's like, well, you love exercising. Why don't you become a personal trainer? And then you can work around audition schedules. And now that I had my new nose, you know, I had regular auditions. So it was definitely yeah. necessary. Um, and I became a personal trainer. And I thought this will be fantastic. People will pay me to stay thin and exercise. And I had a very different reaction, which is that I saw women of all different shapes and sizes and makes and models and all the stuff all coming to me, asking me to fix their body. And every time they did, I kept thinking like, when are they going to notice that this part of me doesn't look right or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's when I sort of had that like, oh, oh, again, feeling like your body is broken. Isn't a symptom of your body being broken. Feeling like your body is broken is a symptom of the broken world that we live in. And, um, you know, you got to say that again, because that's too huge. Feeling like your body is broken is not a symptom symptom of your body being being broken. broken. It's a symptom of the very, very, very broken culture that Mm. we live in. And when we know that, oh, me feeling like this isn't me feeling like my thighs are too big. Isn't because my thighs are too big. My feeling like my thighs are too big is because the world is broken. Then do we have to actively take the steps to fix? I know this is a podcast, so you probably can't hear. I'm doing air quotes, air quotes, Uh, but do we have to take the steps to fix it? And will we ever be allowed to like our bodies? And, you know, we, it's, it's such an interesting thing as a woman, Um, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I'm all, I'm all the things. And I recognize that I live in a world, again, it's a broken world. I live in a world where for women, Mm -hmm. beauty and youth are currency. Mm -hmm. And so is thinness because there is a very specific way that women should, again, air quotes, people, you can't see the air quotes, but, um, women should look. And if you don't look that certain way, you are less powerful. And I talk about making a space for multiple truths. So my, my first truth is that that's bullshit, right? Like Mm -hmm. I am not more or less powerful because I had my nose done. I am not more Mm -hmm. or less powerful because I gain or lose 20 pounds, Mm -hmm. but then we talk about multiple truths. So my truth is that, no, I am absolutely, I am the same. If anything, I am growing in power as I understand life and my role and what I'm supposed to do in this world more and more. And the truth of the world, which is no more true than my truth, right? They're conflicting Mm -hmm. truths is that I'm diminishing in value by the minute because I'm aging and I'm, you know, shriveling and, and all the things that, that we're told as women make you powerful. I'm losing Mm -hmm. by the second, because those things come with youth. Um, and so can we make a space for these conflicting truths? Cause I don't think you change the reality of the situation by denying it. I think you have to sort of own it. Um, okay. That's good. So you can't change the reality of the situation by denying what you can't change the truth can't of change, the situation. You, you can't change the reality of the situation by denying it. I think you have to make a, you don't change a truth by denying it. You change a truth by realizing that the truth is just a truth. It's not the truth. The truth. Yeah. Um, And so I talk a lot about, is it my truth versus the truth? And when we talk about these feelings around a woman's body and the way women feel around their body, you know, they can say, well, I feel, I feel gross. I feel, Mm -hmm. I feel unattractive. I feel like I'm aging. I feel all these Mm -hmm. things, but 
feeling that way can be your truth, but the truth mm-hmm. is, for example, my truth, my truth is that I'm aging. And so therefore I'm diminishing, except for the truth is that I'm just aging. I'm not actually mm-hmm. diminishing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so can I make a space for both things to be true? Cause where I think we lose the battle is trying to convert the opposing truth And you can't convert it because again, the reality is that currently we live in a world where Mm -hmm. this is the truth, right? So trying to convert it is just sort of like banging your head against a wall. Let's make a space for it to be just one of many truths, right? Like how do we make that space? Like, cause I, okay. So I, let's use the aging thing, for example, like the world is telling us, you know, that being young or that if you can't stay young, then you have to stay looking young. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you do not, then you are not as valuable. You know, it's that whole currency idea. But it also criticizes women for doing things to remain young looking. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, um, you know, it, it, it praises our culture praises a woman for aging gracefully Except it also really criticizes a woman for like, let's say going gray, right? Except Mm -hmm. for it also um, really shames a woman who's gotten filler in her face to get rid of the wrinkles. And so again, if we look, Mm. we're like, oh, there's no way. We're not going to win. We're not going to win. But if we know that we aren't going to win, do we have to play? Right. Mm. Or can we just decide, you know what? I don't care if I have gray hair. It doesn't bother me. My truth is that the gray hair doesn't bother me. My truth is also that these lines around my mouth do bother me. And so Mm -hmm. I can get filler if I want to, or I can dye my hair because my truth is, is the truth that matters to me. Yes. I don't have to change your truth to have my truth continue to exist. So we make a space for conflicting truths um, that don't need to negate each other, but, you know, can live side by side simultaneously. Um, And then you have so much more freedom. Yes. You just live out your truth. It's so funny. I was listening, thinking how, you know, when we, I mean, I think a lot like me and I think a lot of women that want to be game changers, you know, change, you know, passionate about stuff which I think pretty much includes every woman I know, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have that thing you're passionate about, it's so funny because it's like, we can try to change the world. I mean, there's some quote I'm sure, but it's like, you can't, you have to start with yourself. So it's like when you start living your truth, because I have learned and kind of with the whole, the idea of like the body image and all the different bodies. And it's like, it doesn't matter what a woman looks like if she's just embracing herself, whatever that is, like that is inspiring. Mm -hmm. And when someone lives their truth, it inspires you to live your truth, whether that's a body image issue an identity. I mean, there's so many things that that could be. So it's so fun. So it's funny because I liked when you and I, when you and I talked pre and we talked about holding those two truths, I liked it, but I was like, how does that work? Because that work? Because like, well, no, something, there has to be a right answer. Like that's where I come from that. And I'm changing that's how that. we're raised. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, you're not alone. And I think like yeah. the hard part is in recognizing that there has to, again, that there has to be a right answer is your truth, not the truth, right? Um, oh my gosh, that, that's like the body image. That's changing from saying, okay, I know that a body image, I know that like, insert pretend smaller size, a smaller body size. That is the ideal 
not just with society, but that's the right answer. I should have this size body. So I need to learn to hack it and just have this like really positive self-view of my body at this size, even though I know that the right size is over there. It's like, there's no effing right size. There's no effing right size. You're totally right. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to slam something on top of that. Right. Do it. Do it. I love it. When you see the pictures of the women, because there are so many incredible body positive, um, stuff, so much, so much content you can see now, and you're going to see a woman and she's going to be wearing significantly less clothing than you. And she's going to be smiling and you're going to start going, well, she's smiling and you're going to start comparing, well, her hips are bigger than mine or my stomach may be flatter, but my my boobs are, you're going to start comparing and you're going to say, well, she feels fine about herself. She's, she's in underwear. Why can't I be in underwear? What's wrong with me? And I would again say that is an assumed truth. That is your truth that you're bringing to the table that she's okay in those underwear photos, because I have Mm -hmm. had lots of those, lots of those body positive women come to me Mm -hmm. post underwear pictures and be like, oh my God, I hated this. And that, so we have to remember that when we make a space for multiple truths to be true, we are releasing our grip on our tight hold of what the narrative is. And we make a space for the fact that there could be other narratives. So I am not mm-hmm. saying that the body positive women in those pictures are hating their body. I'm not yeah. saying that, but we don't actually know. Right. And so the imagery yeah. and what it's, what it's meant to make you feel it's meant to make you feel that way because it knows that you carry these narratives with you. But when you recognize, Oh, my narrative is actually just mine. It's not truth with a capital T. Then all of a sudden you are so much more immune to the negativity that's in some of that, right? Like then I'm able to look at the women in the body positive pictures and not only do I not have to compare my leg size to theirs, but I also don't have to compare their confidence to mine because mm-hmm. it's all fluid, right? So mm-hmm. like they might be more confident than me this second, but in 10 seconds, I might be more confident than them. And mm-hmm. who's to say what more confidence is and confidence to me might be a different than like my truth of confidence might be different than their truth yeah. of confidence. And so like, you just start to see, it just sort of comes unraveled. Yes. Um, and yeah, we each, well, it's funny because like with the, how we each have our own truths, it's so similar to, we each have our own shame triggers, our own shame stories, mm-hmm. you know, whether with, with this whole topic, you know, that we're talking about around body image and appearance, what I'm keep, what I keep being reminded of is it is so individual. And like, that's why we have to unpack our own stuff. Cause there's not an exact route. Like there's not an exact this is how you have a positive body image or appearance, or this is how you work your shame out. And it's not like, this is all like my stuff coming out where it's like, oh, I am working through always wanting the right answer or always, you know, thinking there's a right way and just, and that it's one and done, you figure it out and then we're over this. And, you know, my own story of like, you know, gaining and losing weight over time and kind of, it's like, and I've twice I've done it and it's like, Oh, I thought I had it figured out. Mm-hmm. And I thought I did it the right way with like a positive attitude and da da da. Well, I always say there's no, I, I'll use food as an example. There's no good foods and no bad foods. There are only yeah. good and bad relationships with food, right? But um, mm. there are no good foods and bad foods. Um, but there's also no good body and no bad body. But if we're using mm. these polarizing words of good and bad, 
the same goes for positive. If you're searching for a positive body image, then the problem with positive is that the only place it leaves you if you're not positive is its polar opposite, which is negative. So part of the reason I use food as an example, because, um, you know, I have some people who it's, it's so interesting when you start to have people break apart what they believe good foods are and bad foods mm-hmm. are, and everybody has so many different rules. So I have some people, some women that I've worked with who are like fruits bad because it's carbs, but then other people are yeah. like, no fruits, exactly what you should be eating. And we start to, re- again, my truth versus the truth, right? So like my truth could be that carbs are bad, but the truth is that carbs are totally fine. Um, yeah. but when we bring it into terms of when, when we realize that, that our idea of, oh, again, it's not, it's not black and white as much as mm-hmm. we want it to be like a quick one and done. It's, it's just not that simple, right? Yeah. Like it's not as simple as no, there are no good foods or no bad foods. There can also be in a world where there are no good foods and no bad foods. There can also be foods that are good for me and foods that are bad for me. Like I'm severely allergic to salmon. So while salmon in itself is not a bad food, my truth is I do not get close to salmon because I will break out in hives and my tongue will swell. And so salmon is a bad food for me, except salmon goes into the good food list for so many people because it's like, you know, it's omega-3s and all that sort of. So we realize that you can have conflicting truths, right? Salmon can be a perfectly wonderful food and a very, very deadly food for Debbie. And one does not negate the other. And so then I come back to a word like positive, it only leaves negative, right? And so then we have to remember, well, my perception and my experience of what positive is can be different than this other person's experience of positive. To me, having a positive relationship with myself is one where I'm allowed to have all the feelings, all the frustration and know that those feelings don't define my body in that moment. But if positive, if your definition of positive is like, well, it feels good all the time, then you're limited to, if I'm not feeling good, then I'm negative, which is bad, which means I'm doing something wrong, which means I better figure out how to get good because there's only it's, it's, you set yourself up to lose and then you lose more than you win because, um, that was so good only, you know, so many directions to go. Well, thank you. I I think Uh, everyone needs to like rewind that and like, listen to that one more time because that's how good it was. I love (laughs) that idea of the opposite of positive with the lead be negative. Cause my question, my next question that I was going to ask is, Mm. That's why I said rewind and re-listen to that because the next question is, you know, so there's a, there's this finish line, right? Like Mm -hmm. women, you know, we live in this diet culture where that it wants women to strive to reach this perfect body, this perfect Mm -hmm. appearance. Um, We've already given the spoiler alert that there are no winners because you never will arrive at that finish line. And then you took us to this place, which I love, which is if we only think of like, okay, now, so now it's like, okay, we're not going to strive towards a positive. We're not going to strive towards a certain body. We're not going to strive to a certain appearance, but what we are going to strive for is a positive, healthy mindset towards our body. And then you just blew that out of the water, which I love. Thank you. (laughs) So like, so then are we not trying to feel good about ourselves? Like what's so with body relationship? Okay. This might be a very simple question, but also very complicated. It's like, well, then wait, how do we have a healthy relationship with our body today yeah. without yeah. making the change to say, I know I'll be happier if I lose 50 pounds, or I'll know I'll be happier if I tone up this little spot. And I know 
I mean, that's the million dollar question. Although yeah. I have an answer. So yes, I um, knew you would. That's why I asked. I knew you would. That's why um, I was like, I'm gonna ask. Well, I think that having a relationship with your body is like having any other relationship. And I always compare it to a relationship with my husband, who I think is excellent. He's far better than my first husband ever was for me. Um, yeah. I'm sure my my first husband has since found happiness with his current wife. Uh, but so I compare it to and the if relationship you're listening, I have with um, my husband. I hope you're happy because you're probably yeah. I, I wish you nothing but the best. <laughs> nothing but the best. Um, and better sex than we ever had. So there you go. Nothing but yes. the best. Um, no, I think that. I compare it a lot to my husband and my husband hates when I use this because he's like, you make me sound so I'm like, I make you sound good. You just, just, um, I think my husband is incredible. I think he's very attractive. He's an incredible, eloquent writer. He's brilliant. He's a hands-on dad. He even cooks sometimes. Um, my husband is shitty at waking up in the morning. We have two kids. It makes it feel like we have a third. Like I have it's like, it's like having a third child. It's like, I can't believe that the kids are up and I'm trying to help the the kids are trying to help me get daddy out of bed. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. it. And I think we have a really good relationship. I spent a very, very, very long part of our lives together trying to turn him into a morning person. And first of all, I failed because he's not. And second of all, we spent a lot of time kind of fighting because um, even when it wasn't, even when it wasn't the morning, it was like, well, you, you know, if you were a morning person, you could have done this already or something. And so there, it was just sort of spillover. And when I, and this, this was not his problem. I knew he wasn't a morning person. I wanted him to be a morning person. And so when I gave myself the space to grieve that he will never be the morning person that I want him to be, then I didn't have to fix him. I just got to make a space for it. And I have to say, I still, I mean, I, let's be realistic. I still wish he were a morning person, but, <laughs> but we don't fight. We, I mean, we fight about other stuff, but we don't fight about, we don't fight yeah. about that. My mornings are not nearly as miserable because I no longer um, kind of trying to convince him that he should be a part of it. Right. So like yeah. now the mornings um, they're a little frantic and a little, a little hectic. Cause, cause I've got a four and a half year old and a six and a half year old, but, but, but I kind of know, look, this is, this is what I signed up for. It's not my job. It's just like, I don't, I don't need to convert him to be part of this equation yeah. and I can be part of it. And so we fight less, um, mornings are far more enjoyable. Um, and I still think we have a good relationship and I'm still sad that he's not a morning person. And I kind of want you to be able to feel the same way about your body. So we live in a world that says smaller is better unless you're too small and who's to draw the line. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. can you be sad? For example, I was, I was smaller pre-kids. Um, mm-hmm. I was definitely smaller pre-kids. Um, I've always been now that I, now that I have sort of this distance from it, I realize I've always been in a thin privileged body. Even when I Mm -hmm. thought I was fat, I was always in a thin privileged body, but, Mm -hmm. and I still am in a thin privileged body. And I was much thinner before I had two kids. Um, and I'm allowed to be sad that I'm not Mm -hmm. thinner anymore without thinner actually being a good thing. Again, it's like Mm -hmm. a culturally good thing. Right. And I'm also allowed to miss it. It doesn't have to be something that I miss because it it can just be like, I'm going to miss every, I look back at pictures from my kids again, four and a half and six and a half, and they've changed so much in the past few years. And those, those earlier versions of them are gone and I miss them. And I wouldn't undo this for the 
for anything. And so are you allowed to just have sadness that your body changes? It's sad. And it's also great because the alternative is death. So Mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing, but like, are are we allowed to be sad about it? And I think our culture is like, no, don't be sad about it. Fix it. But the truth is you can't fix fix it. So maybe we should just be sad about it. And then if, Mm -hmm. if we open ourselves up to the sadness, what other feelings do we open ourselves up to in the process that we've been shutting down because sadness was too scary. So you shut down a whole bunch of feelings. Mm, Yes. I'm so glad you, you brought up that analogy again. Um, Well, I say again, brought up the analogy of the relationship with our body as a relationship, because in um, one of the other conversations around this topic, another guest, Elena talked about being in a toxic relationship with our body, you know, when we have that <laughs> constantly that, fighting, that hating our body and kind of, we talked about being gentle with it. And so I love kind of bringing it back around to that analogy, which by the way, when you were talking about your husband, my thought was in 10 years, when you are ready for bed and your kids are staying up late or when then they get older and they're coming in late and you're just going to be sleeping like a baby and he'll be <laughs> up and you'll be like, I'm so glad he is like probably more of the night owl because he can stay up and then I'll wake up and get up in the morning. And well, and it's another reason that identifying him as not being a morning person would be bad, right? Because it, it, it isn't bad. It's just not my truth. It's just exactly. not, you know, so, and again, if, if something is good, then the opposite of it is bad. Whereas the truth of yes. the situation is it is neither. It is just, yes. he is a morning. I'm not good for being, I'm a, I'm a morning person. That does not make me good as mm-hmm. much as my ego will tell me that it does. And as much as my truth, right. Again, yes. if we're talking about my truth versus the truth, my truth is that I'm good because I'm a morning person and I have more stuff done by 10 AM than most people get done in their day. But that's also just my truth, right? The truth is that whatever time of day is the best time of day for you is totally fine, right? I also know other people who are nighttime people who their truth is um, I'm great because between the hours of 10 p.m. and 1 a.m., I just make magic happen. They're not, again, that's that's their truth. My truth of me being a morning person makes me good does not actually negate their truth. But we have to we have to be careful where where we pigeonhole ourselves with these good and bad labels. Yes. Because if we hold on too tightly to the label, then we end up on the flip side of it at some point. And I so, but then if you talk about, here's where it gets really exciting and I'm, I'm, I'm getting aroused, um, is that when you talk <laughs> about, go there. <laughs> you talk about like, we were talking about how do you sort of borrow from the toxicity of culture? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, diet culture is what says thin is good. Fat is bad diet culture. And this, this anti-woman culture is the culture that says young women, good old women, not so much. Um, but it, but it, that is the same culture, right. That allows me to feel good for some of the things that I do. And then I make a space for, well, I feel good for them because it's my truth, but it's not the truth. But when I accept it as my truth, if I can identify this is, this is actually diet culture. Like this is me borrowing from diet culture. For example, if I want to be good because I wake up in the morning, um, that would be, to me, that's a very diet culture thought, right? Because it's good versus bad. But what if, what if subscribing to the fact that I'm good for waking up early in the morning makes waking up more enjoyable for me? 
Like, does it make it easier? Do am I less begrudging when I get out of bed? Does the morning start off a little bit brighter? And if so, am I allowed to sort of dip my toe into the toxicity of this polarizing messaging, knowing that it's not actual truth, it's just my truth, so that when the flip side comes to bite me in the ass, because it will, Mm -hmm. I can release it as truth and know that it was never true to begin with. Did you follow that? (laughs) I did, but I need you to repeat it because, okay, let me, let me process it real quick. Okay. So I, I love the, this whole good, bad thing is I'm so glad we're addressing this because I think this is such a huge part of the whole body image thing. Cause if, if we are in a bad place, you know, we have shame around our body image and appearance. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is we want to get over to the good side. And, yes. and it's like, it's, it's an, it's a losing battle. Cause we're never it's a losing. Get there. It's a losing battle. It's a total losing battle. However, mm-hmm. um, you know, with so many, like I'll put it in terms of so many of us feel like we've been good if we exercise, mm-hmm. right? I'll use that. Cause that's a really good example. It's probably yeah. a more common example, I would say than the morning thing. Um, and I help a lot of my women really explore their relationship to exercise. It's amazing how much we tie our value as people to, did I work out today? When mm-hmm. the truth of the situation is that you are a value, whether you exercised or not. Right. But, yes. but I have all of these incredibly valuable women who feel invaluable because they didn't get to the gym that day. And however, and that's bullshit, right? However, I'm also okay with them feeling extra valuable because they went to the gym. So long as they know, because because there's enough time when this, like, where you, if, again, if you know you can't win, there's enough time when you're going to get sucked into the negativity that you can ride the high knowing that it's not, real. It's just your truth, right? So if you, if your truth is I'm such a fucking badass because I went to the gym and then I had a salad for lunch, woohoo! the truth is cool. I didn't go to the gym and I had a burger and you're actually no better than me. We're just different. That's total. except I also want you to be able to revel in feeling really, really, really good that you did those things that feel good to you. Right Mm -hmm. now, the problem with that is that tomorrow, if you were really good today, but because you went to the gym and had a salad for lunch, but tomorrow you, you end up being like me and you don't go to the gym and you have a burger for lunch. Are you bad? But then Mm -hmm. again, if we recognize the difference between my truth versus the truth, the bad doesn't have to pull us down. Mm-hmm. Whereas the truth can just sort of be a feeling we're allowing ourselves to feel because again, the truth of the situation is you have the same value, whether you make it to the gym and eat a salad or a burger. Right. And then what if somebody, it, I'll, I'll throw the allergy card in and like, what if somebody's allergic to, you know, something that's in that salad, then who's to say that the salad is really the better food. Cause again, yeah. it's, it's black, it, that's black and white terminology. And there's yeah. just it's black and white terminology of gray, of yeah. gray material. I really like, so it's, it, it comes back to that idea that I mentioned earlier about like, we each have our own individual, as you've said, our individual truth. Um, mm. One of the things we talked about on another conversation, it's like listening to your body. So in one conversation um, with Elena, we talked about kind of like 
listening to what your body needs. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about the juxtaposition of these two conversations is it's like listening to our internal voice, like our, the truth that our body is giving us our truth of our body Mm -hmm. and how to combat that with this outside world that is so loud and Mm -hmm. to, and I feel like this is helping us find that space where we can listen to our body, find our truth but recognize that we're still living in this world of diet culture and all this stuff. And, you know, it's that we're not going to win. So it really has to come down to like, why are we doing it? How does it make us feel? And constantly reminding ourselves that there's not this good or bad, like, Mm -hmm. and, and that what might be good for you one day doesn't have to be good for you the next day. Right. Because it's not, it's not black and white terms. So, um, you know, to your point, if you're, if you're feeling, feeling good about yourself is fantastic. Feeling bad about yourself doesn't feel good, but the truth mm-hmm. is that nothing's actually changed in between. So if you're trying to listen to your body and for, again, back to the food, because people have such polarizing views of food. So if you're, if, if you're, if what is good for you today is to subscribe to the diet culture myth that you are a good person for having a salad. Who am I to tell you that today's not the day to buy into that? Now, tomorrow might be a great day for you to get really angry at diet culture, but like sometimes we need a win, right? Like when, when we're set up to fail, sometimes we just need like an easy win to remind us that we're okay. And so if your easy win is having a salad at lunch, because it's what tells you you're good, even when you know the truth is is that you're good either way, but you just needed a win, then who the fuck am I to tell you not to do that? Right. But don't you want to have the power to do that as opposed to just getting a salad because you feel like you're supposed to, but you don't really know. And it's not actually giving you the benefits, although you think you're getting vitamins because salads are full of vitamins, but doesn't even count if you put ranch dressing on it. But of course it counts because one thing doesn't negate the other, except for does it matter? And like, there's just, again, there's just suddenly gets to be room for all of it. Yes. Oh man. This whole room for all of it. I just, I want to just cut it out. I just want to (laughs) like cut the bad parts out and just live our life without that. It's funny. Like I had my therapist appointment yesterday Mm -hmm. and when you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, this whole idea of, you know, I've talked about this on other conversations. Like we keep getting the same messages. And for me, it's like, I just want no discomfort. I just want to fix all the things, you know, let me figure out. And so that if things come up that trigger or activate, you know, whatever, to me, I have to remind myself that that doesn't mean there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that is just life. And so listening to the body stuff, it's like, Oh, you know, we want, you know, this whole, and like you, we we talked about like the, with body, the body positive movement. Yes. There's a lot of good to that, but that's a myth in in and of itself too, because you Mm -hmm. think, Oh, the women who are doing all this, um, must feel great all the time, you know, and they and don't. Like, exactly. Not that they shouldn't. That's there's a very, very big difference. It's not that they shouldn't feel great all the time. The yeah. truth is we should all feel great all the time, except for yeah. nobody does. And that's no and, one across the board. Like, and that's no one across the board, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, I think. And yes. if you think you need to, you're going to like, so for me, so do I have to think like, man, what is my, my image? It's almost like maybe it's not as bad as it seems. Because if I'm taking the clues that if I have negativity about my body, I must have a very negative body image. 
it's realizing like, oh, I'm human. Maybe this is a normal body image. Like if we redefine what is negative, also to your point of, I don't want to sit in discomfort. I don't know anybody who does. And then if we talk about in a world where as for women, um, you know, beauty and youth and thinness is currency. I think if we want to talk about what actual power is, if we talk about what the truth is versus my truth is I'm powerful because I'm beautiful or I'm not powerful because I'm not beautiful or whatever. Um, or I'm powerful because I'm thinner. I'm not powerful because I'm thinner. I'm not as powerful as I want to be if I were a little bit thinner, but I'm more powerful than I could be. All of those things. All of the it. real power is the ability to sit in the discomfort. Oh my gosh. That was just what my post was today. I know this will air in January, but... <laughs> So if you're listening, you can go, go back, back and, and look at the post from Today December 14th, December 14th. <laughs> Cause I said growth is about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Cause that's yes. my message that I keep getting over and over and over again. That's where the power is though. And I think like, that's how I make the, I make the, the ability, I make the space for the, the multiple truths, the, the conflicting truths that I am diminishing in power as I am a woman who is over 40 and I am gaining power as I have never been more comfortable in sitting in my discomfort. And I, I expect that that will just get better over time. So I'm currently like, I'm, I'm, you know, shooting in a downward direction and then also shooting in an upward direction. They are conflicting truths. I have never been this powerful because I have never before in my life been this comfortable sitting in the discomfort. And I am also diminishing in power by the second. And so those conflicting truths have a space to be true. And so then we don't have to diminish in value as women, except for we are diminishing in value, but it doesn't matter because we don't diminish in value except for we do. And then oh, it just, such a it's so cycle of like all this. It's except like, for when you make a space yes. for when you allow for the negativity, then that's when you allow for the feeling, the discomfort, the negative yeah. feeling, not like the positive versus negative or good versus yeah. bad. But when you make a space to not have to, when, when good or bad or positive or negative doesn't have to be in black and white terms, when it's just a feeling, then mm-hmm. you open up to where the real power is because you can sit in those feelings and know that you can feel bad and be okay. That two, yeah. that those two truths can coexist, that you can feel bad and be perfectly fine, but yes. feel bad. Yes. That is such a perfect, like, wrap. I mean, we could talk forever, but like such a nice little wrapping it up because, because that's the thing we're not going to win. We've already said that, you know, and, and going around the cycle of like, we're improving here, but we're devaluing here, empowering Mm -hmm. here. It's we, our brains want to find balance. We as humans want nice wrapped up things, but the truth is it's just not going to happen because there's always going to be conflict. So continually. And it's so funny because that theme that might be the theme of this coming season is like getting oh, comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. because I'm realizing for myself, it's like always, I'm always striving towards comfort. You know, how can I eliminate my I think that's normal. I think that it's, that's exactly, I think that that is the normal, the normal human reaction. And I have found that as I am exploring women's relationships to their bodies, 
Um, a lot of other relationships come into question, mm. um, spiritual relationships, um, yeah. like romantic relationships, all these things. Because again, when we make a space for all the feelings, we're allowed to feel some of the negative things that we always push aside. So I have also said, as, as I have explored some romantic relationships and spiritual relationships, some yeah. work relationships, all those things with women, again, I'm not looking for a solution. I don't think if you have a good spiritual relationship, it looks this way, or you believe this yeah. or whatnot. It's you're comfortable with the fact that sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. Yes. It's such, I love addressing this outside world because so much of this body image and appearance is such an internal job. And if, but as you said earlier, we can't ignore the reality yeah. of the world. And so addressing that, helping to start navigating this. And so how can people follow you, connect with you, work with you so that they can keep working on this relationship with their body? Yeah, well, you can, you can, I'm, I'm Debbie, like the little Debbie snack cakes, last name, Seraphim. I'm going to spell it out because everybody gets it wrong. S as in Sam, A-R-O-U-F as in Frank, I-N as in Mary. Um, but that's, that's me. If you Google me, you'll find me, but, um, you can check out bodyrelationship.com. That's my website. Um, it'll take you through all the different things I do. I do one-on-one coaching. So if you're kind of looking to explore, um, if you're looking to further explore some of the the things that we were talking about today, but not just to like explore them, but to figure out how do I get from feeling like my truth is the truth to actually knowing that my truth is just my truth. I, I coach you through that one-on-one. I also have a membership community um, where I do group coaching sessions uh, and you work together with other women who are feeling the same way you are. Um, and and uh, the membership community has, uh, it takes you through my curriculum um, and you get access to the group coaching sessions as well as uh, we do exercise classes where we explore our relationship to exercise, which is actually really different than just exercising, even though you still exercise. It's fun and there's a great community of women. And um, awesome. so, yes, that's how you find me, bodyrelationship.com. Um, and you can check me out there and awesome. I'm always open to talking. So, yay. Thank you so much. Well, let's. Let us get comfortable being uncomfortable and holding space for multiple truths. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, where we explore growth and healing through vulnerable conversation. Our hope is that you feel seen and find tools for growing resiliency and tackling your own growth and healing. Be sure to subscribe and check out the VIPs and other resources at samanthaspittle.com. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.